0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club. Sitting in with me here at the Tour Coach Podcast, someone I've wanted to talk to for a good long time, had the opportunity to sit with at the U.S. Open last week, one of the great coaches and names in golf, Sean Foley. Foley, what's up, my man?
1: Yeah, how you doing, Tom?
0: Hey, I'm doing good. What's up, buddy?
1: Not much. Just uh, have licked my wounds after a week of the double missed cut and uh now I'm back at home and uh ready to go again.
0: Yeah, I understand. So let me ask you this. How did, when you have a double missed cut like that? What are your thoughts? Like what do you I mean, you know, cuz people always want to know the inside the ropes thing. As a teacher, what are your first thoughts when you go through the, you know, I've got a double missed cut. I have it happen plenty of times. Uh I, I went one for one last week, but uh how do you handle that?
1: You know, I just think you have to appreciate the difficulty of the game. It's like I don't ever try to really be that emotional with how I approach what I do. I think that that's just, a, you know, that's just that's just dangerous. So it, I had times where I had four players in the field, and for three weeks in a row they finished in the top ten every week. And I think that what will happen is if you think that should be normal, then the rest of the time you're going to be completely discontent and frustrated rather than, recognizing I think how special that is. So it's understanding like you look man when 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 life and work are going good, you have to be grateful and you have to enjoy it and then when it's not, you have to know that at some point it will again. And it's just the uh, it's just what happens, you know, I mean that golf course out there, it's such a big ask. I mean if, if 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 everyone had to tee off again today for the next four days, the top ten could look totally different. And so, you know, I think it's I think it's just realizing that Unfortunately, I think failure is just – the way we've been taught what that word is, it's just got such a negative connotation. It's – neuroscientists say that failure is actually feedback. So it kind of lets you look a little bit, okay, at what happened. But then I think that doing too much of that sometimes leads us to speculating. I mean, we had a perfect drive tone on number 13, and it went 340 and ended up six inches in the rough, and you had to play out <laughs> sideways.
0: Right. It happens, and, and it, you know, and and that was to me obviously like you walked around and watched a bunch of golf, and I saw plenty of shots that were really good shots. Uh, in particular, you know, where Lucas on Saturday hits drive down nine, or on Sunday barely runs through the rough, runs right up against the edge of the cut line, and he's got no shot to get to the green. I mean, you're talking a matter of inches, and it's not like he hit a bad golf shot to get there. It's just no, you know, no, no,
1: no. No, a couple, couple, a couple of inches is then an eight iron to a front right pin. He makes eagle, and the day's different. Like it's that's. I think that's what players don't pay attention enough to is just the sheer probability. Like you know, I've had players when they struggle with their putting, they'll say like I miss everything from eight feet, and it's like, well, I mean, not really. But the average on tour from eight feet is like fifty percent. So if you think you should make eight out of ten, you're always going to think something's wrong with you.
0: Right. Right now, as a coach with a player, so when you you know everybody thinks you're geniuses when the guy's playing great, but when a guy gets you know he's playing good, and you mentioned uh, you know we were talking about different scenarios and guys, where you feel like maybe they're you're not on the right track. How do you handle that as a coach, where maybe you feel you know you know maybe where you feel like the player. Regressing may not always be the right word, but like you're not on the right track. How do you handle that? Or what is your thought process when you feel like maybe with a player like, Man, I, I just don't know if I don't know if we're going in the right direction. What do you do?
1: Well, I, I think it it always takes like deep introspection, right? So I did this post on Instagram yesterday. I, I did this post on Instagram yesterday just talking about kind of my feelings on the world and what's been going right. on.
0: Very and good post so I,
1: Thank you. I got a lot of comments on it, and this one guy commented, and I don't, I don't know who he is, but he said, "Makes sense on why you always came in the pro shop to say hello to the staff at the PGA tournament at our place. Only top hundred teacher to do so. Wow. And I'm like, well, if you have a conflated idea of who you are, look, well, I don't, I don't know what you charge, but I charge my guys five percent of what they earn on the course. So right. from just a straight mathematical probable business model." I'm 5% of their success, and I'm 5% of their failure. Now, to be a great coach, you, got, you have to feel like you're going to give them everything you have. Right. But the idea is, like, the golf swing is very, very complex. The human brain is very, very complex. Sometimes it's done, and it may they make it look easy, but most of the time it's just really not the case, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, you you know, you have to look at – got to be careful, you know? When you have a player in 2020 – but you had it like really money in 2016, well, a lot has changed in that person's brain and body by that point. So the old like, this is what we did when we did it the best, that's dangerous too, right? Mm-hmm. But normally when the player was playing his best, there was more of a shot shape. Yes. So I remember before you started working with Lucas, one day he asked me at the LA Open if I could take a look. And I said, you know, I, I don't have much time, but... I have two hours this afternoon, and it gave me opportunity to see Lucas, who I really enjoy, and Don Cooper, who I absolutely love. <laughs> and Lucas was trying to hit a fade, and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I just feel like I got too dry, and I'm like, nah. I said, look, dude, put a stick out in front of you, start it right of that, and take a bigger divot. And that was all I said. So mm-hmm. to me, when I think about Lucas, I think of the starting right draw that doesn't often cross the target line. Correct. If Lucas is literally trying to think that the key is to fade the ball moving forward, man that's just so against what he does. That right. it can't be. Yeah, does he need to know how to fade it? Of course he can fade it, but if he just set up and he had to hit it in the fairway and on the green, then he would hit that shot. The the, the shot that comes easier to him. So, I think it's more it's more like that. So, with a player like Danny Willett, he became the number 1 amateur in the world with a pretty sizable high-sling draw. Yep. And then he won the Masters with a slight fade. But what happened over time is the cure of the overdraw became a cancer to where it got to where the only shot he could hit was a bull cut. Okay. And I don't know if it goes back to, like, a Mac O'Grady fascination that a lot of people have and how the swing looks, but I just cannot think of that many great players who hit a bull cut. I can't. Like, no. I can't. Think about it. Mm-mm. So I, I think the desire to get rid of a hook – A lot of guys want to try and play a cut, but they didn't necessarily do it the right way. It's like, I think it's easier to hit less of a hook than it is to teach a hooker how to cut it.
0: Agree. Agree. And, you know, when I started working with Lucas, I had the similar thought, I think, that you did. Like, the first thing he said was, I want to get back to hooking it. And so, to me, was just wasn't going back trying to make do what he used to do, but was to set him up and to just get him to hit hooks again. And and then let him figure out how to hook it less. Right?
1: Hey, look, look, that, I mean, you know, the thing about coaching, obviously, it's how we make our living. It's something we're passionate about. We enjoy the people that we work with. We'd like to see them do well and all that. But, like, how did Ben Hogan and Lee Trevino get to that point? So I think that as I've got older, I feel like my role in helping a player has diminished. It's more of like creating the understanding and the environment so that they can go out on their own and. You know, when a player looks at you and says, "You know, what do you think I should feel?" It's like, "Oh man, like, well, how could I ever answer that?" So, you know, it's 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 like this afternoon. I'm 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 working with Hunter mayhan and I worked with Hunter for from 2008 for a long time. And you know, it it relationships are hard, right? Like even mm-hmm. relationships with like our children or our wives or our parents aren't guaranteed. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, when we when we stopped, we just weren't getting it done. Like we weren't getting it done. But you know, I really know what he needs to do to get it done, but that, that's just a piece of the puzzle, the desire, the discipline, the everything. I mean, when, when Hunter was on top of the world and we top 10, we felt like every single week, you know, he, he was just engaged and he didn't have four kids. So, you know, life changes in good ways, but it also causes other aspects. So there's, there's more to it than just, you know, it's amazing to watch Instagram. If, if you went on the range at a PGA Tour event, and you did slow-motion videos of the guys in the top 125, they would hardly get any likes. Like, people would say they're too steep coming down, they stand up too fast, they're too flippy.
2: <laughs>
1: and, you know, we're 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 in a world now of, like, of this swing where everyone hits a ball with both of their arms straight all the way through it and over-rotate their torso and open up too much. And it's just fascinating to me. It's like, I get it. Yeah, the theory is correct, but the shrub comes to you.
0: I want to talk to you about a couple of things. I, this, this is always fascinating to me, and I enjoy it when I get to corner you know somewhere at a tour event. And so going back to like Hunter, because I've had this happen a couple of times. Is it harder when they leave and then they come back, or do you find it easier when they leave and come back, or is it different each time? You know, because you know I've had it happen with Smiley a few times, leave and then coming back, and you and I talked about that a little bit. And, you know, I had, it uh, you know, talk to Bobby White all the way up, and then he left and came back. Just curious, your thoughts, your opinions, and what you've learned over the years when players leave and come back. So I think inevitably, most of the time when you've done a good job and you've had a good relationship and they leave, at some point they kind of do always seem to find their way back at a certain point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, you, you stopped working for a reason in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen too many people, like, get divorced and get married again and then it'd be all right. Like, it's – so, that, you know, there's a reason. Now, I have seen people get divorced and then still go together to Italy with their family and have a great time because they're still very friendly. So right. I've seen that. But, yeah, I mean, look, my, you know, the way that my dad raised me and everything like that, it was, you know, was do your best in life not to take things personally and understand that, you know – how people see you is more a function of how they see themselves than how you actually are. So I don't think I've ever, you know, I mean, gosh, when Tiger, when, when Tiger fired me, I sat in airports for two weeks and, and looked at the ESPN and saw my name on the ticker. I mean, that was, you know, that was, that was a little bit, that was a little bit different, but at the same point, it's like, look, man, like from the first day you get hired in anything, you're one day closer to getting fired. And that's, that's okay. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of golfers out there. Hopefully the time that you had was successful. You it was mutually beneficial. But then when it's not working anymore, to stick around, that's when it gets kind of nasty. So it's always about class, man. I mean, if much as this is a business, you can't have that much love for those guys and then all of a sudden one day just go, you know, this is bullshit, forget them. It's I just I've never felt like that about anything. And so, yeah, it's it's different, but can it be successful again? I'm sure that it can, but look, when these guys are Bryson DeChambeau has had a great team of people around him, but Bryson DeChambeau, man, is really the captain in a big way of that team. He's pushing all those people around him to get answers. So where Bryson's at is attributed to the people that helped him along the way, but no one sat there and did all those reps in the gym, and no one sat there and hit those millions of golf balls. I mean, the glory has to go, I think it was Roosevelt, right? The, The glory has to go to the man in the arena. Right. So it, it's all going to come down to, and so when you look at a lot of the top players in the world right now, they have girlfriends or they don't, but they don't have kids. Yep. And, you know, with the guys in the last generation, because of, obviously, Tiger Woods and what happened to purses and things like that, I mean, if you're sitting there looking at $35 million in the bank, <laughs> and bunch of kids at home and you know how much that's important to you and that feels almost better than what you do on the golf course, you can get stuck. So I think at that point want to to set, you know, what their objective is in the right way. Because if they're still pushing for the finishes that they had, but they're not putting the same amount of time in, I mean half the off to Bryson D. Chambeau. I mean I've watched for four or five years, I've got to know him quite well and I've just watched him be the butt end of all jokes. And, you know, to me if someone is doing something in a completely different way than everyone else, and everyone is kind of taking the piss out of him. That's the guy you invest a hundred grand in so uh, for me it was I thought it was really cool to see him kind of accomplish uh, what he did because people just need to realize this's been a five year plan in his mind mm-hmm. that it's all encompassing like almost every waking hour of the day. Well, how long can you keep how long can you keep that up for?
0: Right, that's the question, I think. you know is, and, and, again, I think that with the money the way it is right now, I don't know that – I mean, do you think that many of these younger guys are wired to where they want to go do it for 40 years at that pace or try to do it? I mean, I don't think that they need to anymore with the money that's out there. You can go have a good five, eight-year run and make more than you'll ever need in your life.
1: I think it's going to get – I think it's going to be more like other sports because I think what we're going to see, there's going to be a lot more Cameron Champs you know, we get some of these amateurs who come into the field at, like, the U.S. Open, and they're the only ones who have the ball speed that he has. And
2: yeah.
1: and then look, when you're doing that, there's going to be you know, you're applying more force and torque. There's more velocity. The body's going through more dynamic ranges of motion. And look, so there's not any world-class sprinters who don't pull their hamstring. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see car- careers that'll look more not so much like the NFL, but more like the NBA tend to 10 to 12 years and then some guys obviously golf is different right like my mom and dad they are 80 and 76 and they come down from canada from november 1st to april 1st and they live in reunion and they play nine holes every day my dad actually at 80 just started breaking eight <laughs> so golf golf's a little different than that because it's kind of this spiritual quest that we have as well it's like it's impossible to ever get it Right. I just think in those other sports, a lot of those other guys might have continued to play. But just the fact that they've been jumping and landing on their knees for 15 years, they're kind of done.
0: Yeah, agree. And I just I don't think they're going to need from a money perspective. It's not, you know, it's changed so much. That they're, like you said, you are talking. About you got $25 million in the bank, and you've got kids, and most of these guys all have other interests, whether it's sports or di- hunting or fishing or doing different things. They've got the money and the ability to do it, and, and why wouldn't they go do it, if, especially if they're not – combody isn't allowing them to be competitive anymore.
1: And, and look, look, I, I'm grateful to have the job that I have. I'm grateful to work with the guys that I work with. Look, man, post-COVID, this shit's not been a lot of fun, right? Right. And when it was a certain way for thirteen and a half years, and now it's completely different. I can adapt to it, but it's different for everybody. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I think I've had Uber Eats more in the last four months than I've had in my whole life. I don't even <laughs> know if I I I actually think I had to ask my twelve year old how to order from the hotel room. Yeah. So it's you know that, it's going to be that way for a lot of guys. And look, the idea of what it used to be, we will never see that time again. It's not ever going to happen again, ever. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of comes along that that type of idea. I mean, we're going to have a bunch of players who come from a generation of kids who have grown up on a phone. They've been entitled uh, quite a bit more than say Hogan's generation, and they're going to be sitting in their hotel room for at least the next year and a half.
2: So yeah. it's
1: it's very it's it's just fascinating. So I honestly think. That that is far more difficult on the players who travel with their families than the ones who don't even have one. Yeah, I would. Because these college that. these college kids did what? They came from college where they're playing video games or being on their social media feed all night, and mm-hmm. right to the tour and did the same thing. Just think over the years, right? Like I had my Pacifica night on Tuesday at Torrey Pines. I had uh, uh, certain Tex-Mex restaurants in Texas. Like none of that. That was kind of, to me, that was kind of the outlet to be around, like, cool people that are doing the same thing that I am. That made traveling, like, like to where I could handle it. But now it's mm-hmm. like, wow, it's just totally different. So, yeah, I, I look, I just think that, I think a lot of guys who haven't played well after the quarantine don't really understand that, like, Deep within we're not in the right place with all this stuff yet and there's a lot of clutter and confusion on like what's the world gonna be like, what's going on right now? All this negativity and tension and all these things. It's always been there in the world, but it's not been so conflated. We all had four months to sit at home and either believe more in what we believe or challenge that. And I just think it's a lot easier for people just to keep believing what they believe and now you got this device that sends you already thing everything you already agree with. So it's like it's very interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's, there's so much negativity. Now, I don't know, I, you know, or it just seems like there's more access to it, you know, that's, uh, I, because it's I, in front of us all day, every day.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, with the breakdown in leadership, and when I say leadership, I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody, right. okay? If you ask me, if someone's a leader of a country, and I don't care what party they're about, if you don't think a lot of that's based on narcissism and ego, then you've never studied politics. And mm-hmm. That's on but it doesn't matter go all the way back to both sides there's been very few people who have just really stood up and on either side and done great things so i mean the, just the you know just the fact that, that that's the way I think what happens now is the devices negativity's been kind of more allowed a lack of you know it's, it's been allowed So a lot of people who are kind of keeping it under their keeping it under their look Tony it'd be very easy for me to sit on twitter and start ripping on you and it would probably be a hell of a lot harder for me to be at your golf academy doing it to your face
0: no question
1: so yeah it's it's kind of like it's like a passive aggressive thing where to me if you have something to say to somebody you know you should i mean how about on the pga tour when guys get their managers to call their coach or their therapist (laughs) and tell them they're not working with them anymore when I see stuff like that and I see a guy break down every weekend, is it due to mental or is it due to virtue aspects like integrity and character? I mean, when when Justin Rose and I split up, he flew to Orlando and we met and we talked face-to-face. I mean, that's that's how you do that. Correct. So, that, that you know, when you watch him play, whether he's playing great or he's not, man, he plays with so much integrity. I mean, he's going to try and get every single shot out of that score. Right. But if you can't call someone who's helped you for – you know, eight years, to to tell you that. I don't know how you're going to handle that fire on the back nine. I just don't get it. I don't think you will.
0: Do you think players coming out now have less of those qualities of virtue just by the way everything is?
1: No, no, I I wouldn't say. You know what? I mean, I've literally fallen in love with Morikawa and Hovland and Matt Wolf. I mean, these guys are all different, but they're all great. You know, Matt Wolf yelled at himself on Wednesday when we were out practicing. Uh, Cameron played with him or Tuesday, and he, he kind of yelled at himself like, "Matthew, do not let this place bully you." And I thought that was just so gold. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Don't let it bully you. Like you're gonna, you're obviously gonna be in bad positions, but don't go there because you're not because you're steering it." And then he was chipping, and he came up on the green. And he said to me. Why am I spending so much time hitting terrible chips from there when in the turn, I'm just going to putt? He's like, what am I even doing out here? It was really funny. And Colin Morikawa, <laughs> man, I could stand behind him and watch him hit balls all day. All day. His coach, Rick, is a class act. And Colin is a primo mover. Victor Hovland I find to be fascinating. So, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see that in those guys. But I think, like, my son who's 12, mm-hmm. ever known like what the current thing is, that, that could be different. And we, you know, we do our best, and it's really crazy, Tony. Like sometimes as a parent, you know, you get busy, you have a lot of things to do. Those things become cheap babysitters. It allows you to accomplish what you need to. They seem to be happy. And then your kid screws up at school and you take it away from them. And two weeks later, you're like, Oh, I've got my son back. Yes. He actually sits with me on the couch and we talk about life. And so, Yeah. You know, are, are these things also good? Yeah, of course they're good. You know, you can be more organized. You can do more in a shorter time. But we're crazy if we don't think that the people who built it, who've become the richest people of all time, didn't manufacture it in a way that we would come completely addicted to it. And people are different. Some people, some people get addicted to things faster than other people. And I'd say it's a better addiction than crack cocaine. But to the same extent, it's going to slow you down. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, no question. Well, you touched on it. One of the things I was going to ask you about is one of the things that frustrates – you know, I know we got to move into this century, and it's part of our existence as teachers, but the ability of people on social media to hide behind keyboards and take shots at, at players and coaches when they've never coached anybody good themselves or never been in that arena drives me crazy. And that's one of my pet peeves. You know, I it just – because like if if I hear somebody take look if I hear somebody take a shot I'm just saying you you and whoever like I understand what it's like being out there and that oftentimes you know you don't understand all the dynamics going on same thing if if Lucas plays bad somebody takes a shot at me you understand all the dynamics but the, but some of the things that these people will say and attack teachers and credibility and players drives me
1: crazy yeah I once again dude like it shouldn't to me. If I was your therapist, and, <laughs> right? If if if, I, if 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 we're if we're sitting in bogeys, if we're sitting in bogeys in Jacksonville, which we will, having a cu- okay, having a cu- <laughs> yeah, having a couple beers. I mean, look, think about it. Like one time we were walking down the fairway, and look, no one's been a bigger punching bag than me. The fact is that I didn't start on social media until four months ago, so you couldn't really see it, but I had some things sent to me that people were kind of following and some crazy stuff. Right. And it was all, right. look, all was always by someone who didn't put their picture, someone who didn't use their name. Mm-hmm. And then someone who'd never, ever met me, like never met me. So yeah. basically at that point. So here's what I think one day we're at the U S open and I'm walking down the 11th hole or sorry, the ninth hole of congressional with Justin Rose and Hunter Mahan. And they are playing, Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. So we used to have like this Foley Harmon match once in a while, and we're going down the fairway, we're going down nines, and some guy yells, "Hey Foley, you're you're fucking the game up, like stop ruining Tiger Woods." And Rosie lost it, and he was going, he, Rosie was going straight to the ropes, and so I, I just said like Justin, turn around. I said like come back, and and whatever he comes back. And he says, uh, mate, you got to stand up for yourself. And I'm like, why? Like, why do I need to stand up for myself? He's like, well, dude, that's not true what he said. No. And I said, well, what's like, what is truth? Like, look, I said, here's the deal, Rosie. I'm sitting here. So one, two, 2011, five years ago, I was waiting tables at an Outback Steakhouse. house. Okay. Now I'm at congressional with Justin Rose and Hunter Mahan. I'm standing next to one of my heroes, Butch Harmon. I'm with Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson. And that guy paid that guy paid $120 for a ticket. He looked kind of like he's roughly around 45 or 50. So can you imagine that he came here today to stand outside the ropes and yell something like that at someone? I said, can you ever imagine yourself doing that? And he's like, no. And I said, so if I didn't feel good about myself and then saw... Sean Foley walking down the fairway with that forever smile, telling a story to Butch Harmon, looking like he's totally enjoying his life. The only way that I would be able to make myself feel better is to make him feel bad. Yeah. And I'm not. And I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to give that to that guy. So look, I'm not ever making a comparison, but what they said about Newton and Einstein and Dr. King and I mean the people who really shaped the earth weren't really Appreciated till they were dead mate, yeah, so it's Fair
2: like
1: point. you know you you know what it's like I was ruining golf, I mean tiger Woods, you, yeah, I was trying to do my best, but I all never you can had ever a do. I never had a player who had four knee surgeries and and literally went through a divorce, and who knows all the stuff that went on, so it's like I'm doing my best i I always said to everyone like, look, if you think it's that easy, then come on, like come on out here, come- come out here, so yeah, could the backswing be a little bit better? Sure, of, of course it could be a little bit better. Is there too much of this or too much of that? Sure. Well, what makes you think I'm telling them to do that, anyways? <laughs> what you think? Do you think I want to see the shaft lean 17 inches forward? You think I want to see someone drop a half a foot in transition? Of course not. I've never told anyone to do that in my life. So, you know, that's the that's the whole idea. But I think if you take a deeper look within. Like whenever I really had an issue with someone, but that's more like in high school when I was like fourteen and fifteen, all the guys that I talk shit to are the ones that I was jealous of. So it's okay. like you know, to me, jealousy and envy it's kind of like uh how, how would I say this? I remember reading this somewhere and it said Oh, like the jealousy and the envy or kind of the disdain and hatred towards someone, in a way is just a confused admiration button.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So that' that's
1: that, that. That, that that's just what i that makes sense to me like that's not me protecting myself. look, no one is a bigger critic of me than me no one I'm the one who makes myself wake up at three in the morning because I think I'm doing a shit job. It happens at least twice a week. I think that it's absolutely necessary that when you're helping people try to achieve their dreams that you have some insecurity you must you must mm-hmm. so I create these things around me where I have. Physiologist and chiropractors who can assess a player and I have Mark bull that will run the 3D and tell me what he sees from from his world so we're, we have all these checks and balances in place so that we don't screw someone up with our unconscious bias of wanting everyone to look like Ben Hogan, which I love I, uh, why wouldn't you Yeah. but how many people can actually do that like how many people can be Simone bales so we watch her like do a flip and rotate through the air and say. See where she puts her arms, man. She's maybe one of the greatest athletes to ever live. Who found the exact sport that she should be in? Mm-hmm. That's that. So you can't, you can't. All, a ton of those girls can do a single flip with one spin. She can do two, and she can do two and three. It. You can't teach them that. They can't do that. So, the, you know that. To me, when you see that special level of like a Ben Hogan. Or a DJ, or a Tiger Woods, and one of these players. I mean, man, that's just a lot of them. They're making everybody look great. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's interesting, and I I, I like what you had, because you know I, one of the things that I realized when I first started coming out on tour, I was you know I felt real out of place, and I, I thought I was the only one that worried every day that I was going to screw somebody up and was insecure. And then the more I've had the opportunity to get to know and become friends with and talk to people like you, you realize that most everybody that's out there that's helping those guys or girls has those feelings. And then it's okay to feel that way. But like for me, oh, when, uh, I first go, when I first started going out, I was like, man, I was like, shit, like I'm the only, like, golly, I'm never going to be any good at this because every day I'm stressed and worried that I'm fucking somebody up. Yeah. I, I mean,
1: that. yeah, I, I think, look, we, we know, we know a, we know a Basically, we know enough of the principles, uh, the physics and the kinetics behind the golf swing. All these swings that look really different are still really powered the same. People, you know, people say, well, just, you know, they'll put a picture up of, like, they'll put a picture up of, like, Jim Furyk and Dustin Johnson and Rory and whoever else at the top of their backswing and say, uh, proves you can play from anywhere. But if you really know what you're measuring, you're going to see a lot of the same things. So, yeah, the look is different. Like... The look is different, but it's like a, a. if you have a Ford Fusion that has a Ferrari engine, you have a Ferrari. It's not a Ford. So, you know, if you have a Ferrari with a Ford engine, you have a Ford. So, so it's might look like a Ferrari, but it is not. So I think that's really important is, is, to, is to understand that for one. And then two, I've done a good job of having the opportunity to work with loads of players, but kind of was like, you know what? I think you'd be really good with Mark Blackburn. I think you'd be really good with Scott Hamilton. I have a friend named Drew Strackel. I think he could really help you. And so, I think one of the things I realized at like the, at the end of my career, at the end of my career, is I help people build their successful stables. That 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 feels that feels amazing, dude. To be able to like the idea of the guy saying like, and I get this all the time, you know makes sense on why you came in the pro shop all those years and introduced yourself to everyone and during rain delays talk to us. And I'm like, I was you, man. I am you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's astounding to me. But then the funny thing is that I also get the, wow, you're not as, as arrogant and as full as yourself as I thought you were. I mean, that's my favorite. And then I just <laughs> tell people, like, have you ever met me before? No. Can I give you some advice? Yes. For the rest of your life, never, ever make a comment about someone that you haven't met, right? I mean, even my 12-year-old son, he's at the point, we're in the grocery store the other day, and the guy at the counter was being like a supreme threat to the lady behind the counter. And it was getting a little terse, and I was about to say something. And then he kind of just rattled off, and I, I just explained to the lady, look, that wasn't about you, that's just about him and whatever. And she was like, yeah, I understand. And Quinn goes to me, we're walking in the car, he goes, man, Dad, you got to wonder what that guy's going through his life to act like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> Man, if we could if, – if like, I know in first grade they learn math and they learn all that, but if people could understand, like, if we could be teaching kids, like, little philosophical lessons, like, people don't see you for who you are, they see you for who they think you are. So, guess what? If you've been taught that someone from Afghanistan is going to put a bomb on his back and walk into your school, then when you meet someone from Afghanistan, I mean, you're not of course, gonna you're, like you're going to be very scared. But Yeah, does that happen there? Yeah, of course it does, but most people – they haven't had a war for a thousand years because people want that. So yeah. that, that's just that's the whole thing is just realize those people have that that unconscious bias that they don't even know like they don't even know they have it. That's the danger of it. So you know, I mean, obviously this is not a talk for golf, but it is a talk for golf. It's it, this is this is about coaching, and to me, you know, we're we're, we're coaching. Look at Cameron Champ. Cam Champ is this just out of this world talent. Well, that's a great thing, but it's got a curse, too, because the comments always, well, why is he not performing better? And it's like, well, you know, hitting the ball really far every time is a massive advantage, but give Cameron two or three more years of working on more of the artistry and the softer stuff, and he's going to – I don't know how he'll shoot over 68 any day, but when you are gifted with the ability to hit it harder than anyone with no spin, then learning to hit it as soft as the best with a ton of spin is probably going to take some work.
0: The thing I love about Cameron and that you we talked about this is not only how far he hits it, but how effortless he makes it. You know, it doesn't look like he's trying to not take anything away from Bryson. But when Bryson hits the tee ball, to me, it looks like he's trying to hit it hard. You know, when Cameron hits a drive, it doesn't look like that to me.
1: Oh, yeah. and that, I mean, that's just Nolan Ryan, right? I mean, you're looking at the peak of athleticism right there. Now, give him a 46-inch drive. Remember, a lot of the numbers you see with him – with a driver that's two inches shorter than normal. So when he just goes to a standard driver, I mean, his ball speed's like 198. And if he, if, if he really said, okay, I'm going to make my stance, I mean, he almost stands with his feet together. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to make my stance a little bit wider, I'm going to get a little more force in that direction, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to lengthen my backswing, I'm going to increase the hand path a little bit, which will allow me more time to put impulse into the shaft. I mean, he could potentially be 210 ball speed. But it's, yeah, no, it it is crazy because, you know, he's a solid looking athlete, but he's Mm -hmm. not like 6'5", 230, right?
2: Right.
1: But the thing is, it's like, that's the case. But if you were to put, like, something to detect force in the grip and then have him on force plates and then have him on 3D, you would see incredible peaks in certain places that you wouldn't see anywhere. So, yeah, it's powerless effort, but power is nothing but effort. Mm Mm-hmm right, it's nothing but effort, but if you have a body that can kind of stay in those angles because you're really unlimited in rotation, then you're able to make it look, you know, like Rory going at it looks amazing too, right? Right. Well, that I mean, you are born with the ability to do that. That is, you can do yoga, you can do Pilates, you can train with Colby Wayne and Craig Davies and all the best in the world, and they'll improve you, but I think my verdict is about 20 inches. If I worked on it for three years, I could probably get it to 27 So that's the whole thing. But, you know, you look at Cameron and you think, okay, Cameron's a different kid, right? He's uh, one of the very few guys on tour who I hate this word, but I just use the word because people use it, mixed race. But, you know, growing up in America with a black father and a white mother and being mixed race and feeling like you're stuck in the middle of these two arguments, I mean, that can't be easy. So I always just wonder, you know, when people don't have confidence in themselves or they doubt their ability, I mean, how much of that is learned by the time we're 11? And it's like our whole life we have to strip all that shit off to see the beauty that's within. So, you know, would I bring that up and talk to him about it? A hundred percent. Would I try to put him around other people who have been through that same thing and they're a little older and they've kind of understood a way to see it? A hundred percent. Good because, question. Well, look, if, 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 as human beings, if we don't feel like we're enough, then how are we ever going to achieve? Mm-hmm. So it's amazing, you know, because as men, we're not, you know, be tough. Take it like a man. What does take it like a man? What does that mean? So take it like a man means you're not going to cry when you should cry, and you're not going to show vulnerability when you should. So you're going to pretend to be strong. You're going to hold it all in, and your life is going to become shit because of it, because all the stuff you need to deal with, you're not facing. So it becomes medication. It becomes foods it becomes drugs. It becomes relationships. It becomes like it's it's just such a... They're not playing good. Like they might literally cry on the range. And I look at guys all the time and wonder how many of them that would help.
2: <laughs> <laughs> more just of the,
1: just a lot of them. A just lot a nice them. big, yeah, man, it's, it, it's so funny. Like how many guys on tour have to, you know, how many human beings have to get their back adjusted and get their neck fixed. And, yeah, of course, the golf swing is a taxing motion. But, I mean, dude, if you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders all day, it's probably not going to make your neck and your back feel very good. So I, I think that that's him. Tiger Woods, man, he played with an incredible freedom. And, you know, even if you just watch Tiger, you know, when he gets to the course, everything he does is in slow motion. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, you watch him walk on the range, everything is in slow motion. You watch him warm up, everything is in slow motion. Like, he's understood physiologically the place that he needs to get himself to compete. And I think it looks much more like he's focusing on getting into a place where he's relaxed, where he's going to have... Access to his skills subconsciously, rather than being looking tense and terse. And I mean, if you watch Tiger from 100 yards up when he's warming up, you wouldn't know if he's going to go shoot seven under or seven over because he always looks the same. But man, you can stand on the and green. I've never done it, but send bets back to Europe of who's going to play. I mean, how could you advertise the people you're competing with that you have no idea what you're doing right now?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's 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 astonishing to me. Like it's. Just, it's amazing too. So I remember one year I was at the Ryder Cup and I won't name names, but I was I was walking across the fairway. I was walking across the fairway to go and see Tiger or Rosie or Hunter, I can't remember which one it was. And the one team was playing behind the other team and there's two guys on the one team sitting up there just advertising all the way to the tee box that they did not have what it takes that week. It was just I said, Man, that's unbelievable.
0: Right. Um, Why would you want to so advertise? Why would you want everybody to know? <laughs>
1: I think that's the problem. That's, that's the unconscious part. There's no way, like I've done this a lot in the past. I've filmed guys on the course when they're playing well. And then when they're playing bad and I've never had one who watched it when they were playing bad and they weren't embarrassed. And then they looked at me almost without a sense of hope saying, I don't even know I'm doing that. Yeah. So to me, the best players of all time in every sport had a real awareness, a real awareness, like, Amazing watching Jordan play in that docu-series on Jordan's life, right?
0: Right. That was fantastic.
1: Man, he hardly ever to never bitched at the refs, like, after a bad call. Like, he just moved on to the next play.
0: You don't um, see that now in the NBA.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Yeah, and, and the thing is, back then, like, sometimes it was an obvious foul because, like, you were on the ground bleeding. I mean, those guys were banging each other, right?
0: No, yeah, absolutely. Knocking hell out of
1: each other. So that, you know, that's like basketball has been a little bit more soccer-like. Like I like when they do it in slow motion and you see the guy's not even, he's not even been touched and he's fallen backwards. So to me, I think that's just a really big part of his ability to be such a champion was he just moved on so elegantly from moment to moment to moment and to moment and knew that basically his career would be an amalgamation of 30 billion moments rather than, you know, it's it's going to look, it's going to be good and it's going to be bad and if, if we if we knew the answer – we'd be charging a million dollars a lesson and we don't. And, no. and and we can only, we can only utilize knowledge and data and information to help us, but we still have to remember that a lot of the greatest wedge players and greatest players in the world, a lot of them had their local pro that was in their junior program and coached them all the way through college. And, you know, it's, uh, I think that, you know, like a, a guy like Mike shy, who basically built this whole scenario with, with Bryson on single length and to get the the grip in position where all the joints are locked in the end range of motion. And that would be the most stable way to do it. And, and all that, and this, and that, I kind of feel like the golf community have just haven't given him any credit at all because he took the brunt of how this crazy, how this crazy swing was the, 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 the whole time. So, I mean, that guy knows Bryson's swing inside out. Bryson's put on Bryson's put on some distance, but a lot of that's been more sensationalized. I remember watching him at off the range at Augusta as an amateur. He dropped his hands, made his stance wider, and made a longer backswing.
0: Yeah, I remember watching him at the Walker Cup at Lytham St. Anne's. With uh, I was over there with Robbie Shelton, and they were gonna they played a practice round together. And whenever he wanted, he just he had that what he I forget what he called it, but it was when he wanted to hit the big drive, he swung different than what he would normally do, which looks to me. Strikingly similar to what he's trying to swing like now,
1: yeah, no, no, of course, so I, I I think really how big and how big how big and strong he got. I mean, I think we saw that out of the rough more than anything, because mm-hmm. the fact is is there's people who aren't nearly as strong as him who have a higher ball speed, so it, you know what I mean that's of, of course, he can put more force into the grip, he's heavier, so just due to overall mass and friction he'll have he'll be able to create more torque without slipping. But that's just, dude, ground reaction forces are the icing on what is already a good take. Okay, that is yeah. not the key to this game at all. There's no way. It, it just what is the is, key to the
0: game? What do you think is the key to the
1: game? Well, obviously, what's connected to the grip? You know, I, I hear young instructors now talk shit about Bob Tosky and Jim Flick because they were like, yeah, just, you know, swing the hands and arms and the body will react. And I'm like, oh, my God, you, you cannot talk about them like that. You have no idea. Bob Tosky was 70 years of age, still hitting at 300 yards, swinging his arms. Of course, he was using the ground and using the slings in the body. But Mm -hmm. when we're born as children, the first things we use is our hands and our eyes for everything. So a second baseman in the World Series, the ball gets hit left of him. He goes right, and then he springs left, and he jumps, and he catches it. He was never thinking of loading, and, and he was never thinking about creating horizontal and vertical force. He was thinking about catching it, and because he's an athlete, he did the other. Mm-hmm. So no one's thinking dive catch. They're thinking catch. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that, that's just a big part. Yeah, I, I, I've had a swing catalyst for a long time. I love it. It's a great company. It's another excellent tool to use. But most players, I would put on a swing catalyst, trying to get them to improve something else. I'm sure they can't hit a short-sided bunker shot out of wet sand. I know that I probably they probably can't. That's probably going to help us potentially earn more money than increasing a peak in a force at a point in a swing. Like yeah. there's so many, like they might struggle chipping uphill into the grain. I haven't met very few who don't.
2: Mm-hmm. So if
1: there's, you know, when we're coaching, but there's so many opportunities if we're charging five percent. There's benefits to revenue in so many places that don't have to be P1, P2, P5, P9, P10. And look, I've done all of that. I, When I first came on tour, I had a little different attitude than you. When I first came on tour, I couldn't believe they let anyone else out there. I was like, why are they standing on my range? This is crazy to me.
2: <laughs>
1: every single bad shot that was hit was only due to technique, and that was only the answer. And you know what? When I believe that, then everything seemed to match that belief. Then, then things started to happen, and it had to challenge my belief. Like Bud, maybe it's a little deeper than what you think it is. Well, it's got like ten times deep. It's got ten times deeper since then.
0: What was it? <laughs> so, what was it that challenged your beliefs on that? Curious.
1: Well, I think I was just very lucky when I started out there that Sean O'Hare, Stephen Ames, Sean O'Hare, and Hunter Mahan, and Justin Rose could kind of benefit from the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, I felt that they didn't move their lower bodies enough in their backswings. Basically, if I got them to pivot more like Hogan and Sneed, that would be helpful for them. Now, that's still very much the case to this day. I mean, they talk about how Sneed might have been the best athlete to ever play golf. Well, like, who unweighted and turned more and allowed more time than he did? I mean, he probably could have kept his lower body still and not even moved it and still been awesome. Yeah. But kind of the aspect of being centered going more from like my Morad, more the Mac ideas of the head not moving, that benefited all of them. But I felt like when I started with Tiger, that I, I wasn't, I had enough knowledge, but I was still caught in my preference. And quite honestly, I just basically overtaught him. It, it wasn't necessary. It, it, like, I think back to it now, and of course, it's a lot easier to look back at something and go, wow, I could have done this and that. But no question. Like, what, what was I doing even speaking to the guy? Like, I mean, <laughs> it's Tiger Woods, dude. Like, if he, you know, Tiger Woods wants to hit some draws and some fades, I, I've never met anyone who can aim properly all the time on their own. I've never met anyone who kind of keeps a consistent ball position all the time on their own. You know, when I started with Danny Willett, man, that was like full surgery, dude. We needed to go, we needed to go as big as possible because it. We just, we had to, but. I think that was the mistake, because I kind of underestimated where Tiger was at, like within his heart and his mind with how much his life had changed. And that was what we were seeing a lot of in the the technique. I mean, literally, you're talking about someone who went from pretty much being invisible to visible overnight, invincible to visible overnight. Yeah. So to think that that was going to be fixed with a better takeaway and a different plane was probably a mistake. But you know what? I love the guy. I feel like I was there for him at a very difficult time, and I was so grateful for his professionalism and his friendship. And, and we still – you know what? I still hang out with every single guy that I don't work with. That's why
0: That says a lot. That says a lot.
1: And that being said, I'm about to go and see Hunter Mahan as we speak.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, Foles, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. And also, too, my
1: friend.
0: And I appreciate also just the person you are out there always willing to look at a video, talk to people. And, you know, you, you've been great me and I appreciate it. And uh, I thank you for sitting in.
1: All right, Tony, have a great day, bud. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour
0: Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com. To get all the details on what he's up to maybe you want to see him grab a lesson or go to one of his camps pick up his book lessons from the legends you can do that there If you want to see tony in action with some videos and other content head over to golfsciencelab.com tony to get more info there this episode was powered by the golf science lab and was edited
1: mixed and produced by just hit published productions
0: As we go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time, and that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with, and not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people, and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers, and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines – It's hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job, and they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers, and we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to The Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, on Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on The Tour Coach.